Welcome to In the Center of Her Power podcast, where you can get divine feminine soul food. The divine feminine is re-establishing itself in the world, and you need tips and tools to make it your own. This is the new series called Winged. It's a segment inside of the In the Center of Her Power podcast. I'm here at a nature preserve, and I wanted to be able to capture some of the sounds of nature. Listen. Each month, I will feature a short segment on a woman who is a full-bodied nature woman in one way or another. Stay tuned for the first episode. On this episode of In the Center of Her Power podcast, this is the next installment of the Nature Woman series, and today I have a really special guest, Tepfira Rushton. She is, um, what's the word I should say? I think she's an earth woman. I mean, her heart is like the earth. She's so open-hearted, and she's also um, an executive at a local nonprofit. And she is an organizer, I would say. She's organized a group called Black to the Land, and she's going to tell us more about that. And she's been working with the environment here in Detroit for a number of years, and she'll tell you about that. So, Tafira, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The first thing I would like to do is talk a little bit about how you came to have a career working with the environment or do you consider yeah. yourself working with the do you see yourself working in the environmental field I do yeah I do um I work formerly for an urban farming organization um and uh I do a lot of environmental work outside of that uh how I got here <laughs> I, I did I did do a lot of camping when I was little um every summer I, I spent a couple weeks camping um, which was an experience that a lot of my peers weren't weren't having, right? And so I did get a chance to see this like this like separation between like your your nature self and like you know your urban self. <laughs> if I if I can say that, like I I felt strongly coming back to the city and putting my defenses up, and I felt strongly um, seeing the, you know, kind of like the, the pollution in the city and, um, you know, the the housing structures down and things like that. I, I, I could see it very clearly coming from nature, right, coming from a natural environment. And um, it was an experience that I always wanted to share with my peers. Like, um, it, it really molded me and helped me, like, see myself as my true self, I would say. <laughs> yes, as your true self. Okay, so how would you define your true self? Um, wow. So like, so when I said that, I mean to say like, you know, in the urban setting, especially growing up in the 90s in Detroit, like you had to be very tough. You had to be, um, you know, you had to have your defenses up, your guards up. Um, but then when I got to nature, I was just free. I didn't care what I looked like. I didn't care what, what my hair was like. I didn't care what the boys said. Like, um, I, I wasn't trying to be hardcore, you know, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I, I was 
I was just free and enjoying nature, you know, um, you know, we went swimming, we went to rivers, we, I did a lot of horseback riding um, at that camp. And so I felt a sense of freedom. I know what you mean. When I went to camp, I went to the Catholic Youth Organization camp on Lake Huron, and I loved it. I felt free, too. I really did feel free. And, you know, what I would really love to be able to experience, and I do to a certain extent, is to be in nature in the city and still feel free. It's it's a little Mm -hmm. bit different. And I think part of what you're working on with Black to the Land is helping to create that reality. Can you tell us about Black to the Land? Sure. Black to the Land is a coalition. And um, Sanaa was one of the members who were starting to organize with us. Um, but um, we are a coalition right now of a board of about nine people who are all doing environmental work um, outside of um, outside of Black to the Land um, in their kind of nine to five. Um, and um, we organize trips specifically for uh, Black and Brown folks to um, you know, access nature and, um, you know, kind of have some support in going outdoors and, and doing ac- outdoor activities. Um, something that's unique about um, the events that we organize is um, we typically um, have them uh, exclusively POC. So there's um, safe space to talk and to heal and to um, kind of step into leadership as a POC person uh, within those spaces. Um, and so, <laughs> Um, I guess another unique thing is that we really bring families together. So um, at our events, you'll see, you know, individuals, elders, young people. So um, something that's kind of cool. It's like a village. That's wonderful. Now tell me, what is POC and why do we need POC communities or spaces? Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, POC is people of color. And I know that term is... Uh, some people don't like it, honestly. Um, and uh, when I say it, I just mean to say that, um, I, you know, when we're talking about colonial powers, um, people of color across the world um, have one thing in common is that oppression from colonial powers, right? And whether um, your background is black or indigenous or Asian American, um, you've been touched by colonialism in some way and also have been otherized in this in this system and there is benefit to us um getting to know each other understanding each other culturally um and forming some alliances as we navigate this system right and so um <clears throat> the term may be flawed people of color the term no, may be no. flawed <laughs> no it's not flawed it's not flawed i think i just wanted to ex- to explain because there may be people who don't know the acronym yeah. So that's the yeah. reason I wanted to explain. And, you know, someone was saying to me, I, well, I was reading this post and it said, you know, black people have their own colleges. They have their own organizations. Why do they feel like there's any injustice? Because we have all these separate spaces. And I know I went to a black college and the reason that they had they started the black college I went to is because the um, white fathers of the children wanted a space for their biracial children to attend college, but they didn't want them to have to attend college with those who weren't biracial. 
<laughs> because they had like mm. the brown paper bag test you had to wow. pass this test and if you were darker than the brown paper bag then maybe you wouldn't be accepted so that's a part of the history so it wasn't that it wasn't that we necessarily had a choice sometimes often it's not that we have we really don't have a choice if we want to feel comfortable we don't have a choice about whether or not we create a space that's just for us if we want to feel comfortable have you ever connected with um, events or know of people who went to events where it was an outdoor event and pretty much everybody was not a person of color? Do, do you know what kind of experiences people have had? So, you know, I think you might have hit a trigger point for me because <laughs> because when I told you about that camping experience growing up and I was the only brown person at the camp normally, you know, and <clears throat> Uh, I was very different from the people there. Um, they had different upbringings than me, different language, different music they liked. Um, and it is alienating and it makes you feel like this, you know, that you're not welcome in the space or that you have to kind of um, prove yourself or you have to kind of, um, yeah, it, it, it's, <clears throat> it's an odd experience. <laughs> Um, I mean, another reason why I think these spaces are important is because there's things that um, need to be talked about without without the eye of, of white folks, you know, just candidly, um, things that need, we need to talk about to um, kind of heal without having to like, you know, change our vernacular without having to like, you know, we just need to have a space of understanding a lot of times. Um, and um I also find, and this is, you know, this is kind of tricky, but I also find that um, a lot of times white folks have a particular uh, desire to move at a faster pace, right? So they, so they, um, they move in a way that um, assumes leadership a lot of times. They, um, so, I, so I'll say like they kind of take over space. Can I say that? <laughs> like, like, and so. Um, I can imagine a camping trip where you may have POC people who may not have gone camping before. This may be their new experience. And then you have, um, you know, maybe a well-intentioned white person, but who, who have had those experiences and they, and they kind of take on like this leadership role of, of like, you know, I'll pinch the tent, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then it doesn't allow space for the person of color. Um, it, it sets up a different power imbalance it, it doesn't allow space for that person of color to um step into that role you know and really be comfortable you know what i mean i know and exactly so, yeah <laughs> exactly so a few years ago there was a tree planting on the block and um there were all these people i think they were from the suburbs and they came and and i was a community member and they were planting the tree in front of my house and it was so interesting because it was this young man young teenager and these two teenage girls and he was flexing and digging the hole and showing off for them and they were like Ooh, and they were so excited and i said wait i, I want to do a prayer before we put the tree in the ground and they kind of stood back, but, you know, and then I felt I didn't really have a place. Like, I felt like they were well-meaning. They were excited to be coming into the city to plant trees, but I felt like I was kind of out of place. Mm -hmm. One, because there was this, 
teenage dynamic going on. <laughs> right, <laughs> but the right, other reason right. is because, you know, they came with a mission and they were just moving forward to do it. I wanted to participate, but I didn't exactly feel welcomed. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is you mentioned family. I've seen you at camping trips and outdoor activities with your children. Can you tell me what is the difference, if any, between how you were as a child in nature and how your children who have grown up in nature, and I know that um, one of your daughters went to Insorama, and which is a, um, a school that was focused heavily on the outdoors. So what's the difference? Can you see any difference between your children's mindset and yours at their ages? You're digging deep. You're digging deep. Um, I think it's wonderful. Like I said, being, I was not ushered into the, into the world of outdoor living by my parents. Um, uh, I did not get that guidance. It wasn't a, a family vibe at all. Um, I just enjoyed it, you know? Um, and so I just, I just leaned into it and gravitated to it, but, um, there's a very different experience with the Black Center Land Coalition going outdoors with the entire family. Um, you know, uh, there's other youth, their age there. Um, there's, uh, you know, the, the cultural aspect is there. Like you mentioned, um, uh, we do, you know, we do um, different appreciations for the earth, you know what I mean? And um, we just have a different cultural understanding of what, what, what the work is we're doing, right? And so, um, it's a beautiful, I mean, it's a really beautiful thing. If, you, if you're into nature, I would really, you know, encourage you to come out to one of our events. Um, yeah, so how you know. do your kids respond? You know, because when I work with kids, so I remember one girl said, oh, that's nasty. I don't do outside. <laughs> <laughs> so are your children like that? Uh, no, you know, I think, um, you know, every child is different and, you know, personally, I'm very like, um, not wanting to them, you know, not wanting to push myself onto my children, you know what I mean? Uh, for fear that they kind of rebel against it. But, um, and so I don't, I'm not very, um, forceful with it. If they want to come to an event, you know, I encourage them to, if they don't, they don't. Um, no, my, my children find, um, excitement in it. Like, um, I, you know, so this winter was my first time going, um, kayaking uh uh winter kayaking and I took my daughter she was begging me to go because she she's been she'd been loving our kayaking trips and she thought it was cool that we could go in the winter and like all of these questions came out like all these questions it was like well where are the fish well what well what is that green stuff floating well you know like (laughs) like it was like a biology class right there on the water, me and her just talking and some of the stuff I didn't know, some of the stuff I knew, we, we Googled some stuff. Um, they respond well, they respond with an inquisitive mind. They respond with, uh, they're kind of like mini philosophers. They, they, <laughs> they're pretty cool. I mean, maybe it was, maybe it's cause they, um, were raised in that. I mean, they were raised in the garden. They were raised going outside a lot. They were raised at the beach, you know, um, I'm not sure. 
But I think what you're talking about is, I know you've probably heard of the book Last Child in the Woods, and it talks about how children can develop a, a certain awareness and an ability to process and analyze spaces and life in a different way when they've been brought up in nature. And so mm. I was just wondering, I would love to, I mean, this is something that maybe we could talk about more in depth at another time, but I, I think that children have the capacity to be much more philosophical than we may give them credit for, especially mm-hmm. if they get the opportunity to spend some extended periods in nature and they feel comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things I want to ask you just um, as we are wrapping up is about the question of equity. I know you've been instrumental in helping some people of color actually get hired to do work for for different organizations. And I wanted to see how that came about and, and what is your your idea about it? And I think you went, was it ice ice climbing? What was it? Mm-hmm, Tell yeah. us about that. <laughs> oh yeah, we just uh just were invited to a um uh, an ice climbing trip that was put on by a black ice climber. So he set up a black and brown ice climbing um, adventure free of charge. Um, he did outfit us with some gear to be able to do all the things. And um, it was great. Like it was led by a black man. And um, yeah, it was, it was a new adventure for me. <laughs> I'll say that. Why do so, you think it's important to, have people of color in positions in work positions in environmental organizations yeah um because we have an entirely different lens a lot of times um so for one um we're in detroit we're in an 85 percent black city uh there needs to be equity around the the jobs and the folks who live here getting those jobs period right (laughs) let's just say that um and then if we're looking to um um, reach uh, black folks uh, in the city. We we need to have people in positions that speak their language, that understand how to uh, reach those communities, that um, uh, that understand like outreach techniques to uh, to black folks. And so um, it is it is it is vital <laughs> when we have when we have the opposite. Then that's when um, we have you know m- more and more. Uh, white people entering the city in kind of a way that's not um, kind of ecologically sound. That makes sense. Right. You know, so there's a certain way that you enter a community. Right. And I think a lot of people are well-meaning and they want to share what they know. And it's also important that we feel comfortable. I remember talking to people who um, attended a bird walk and they felt so uncomfortable because everybody was older and was really kind of from a different culture and, yes. and treated them as if they were other. Yes. And I find are. that like with, with farming, like farming, if you go to a farm, there's already some, you know, historical, like, pressure that that you may have or feelings that you may have from uh our our history on this on this continent and and with this land right and so um when you come to a farm if there's all white people working on the farm it's just going to automatically make you feel like this is not for me you know <laughs> um this is not my thing and so we need to have people in positions that reflect the uh the community that we're serving for sure um it's something that's very um very very I've, I've navigated 
um, white organizations, uh, I think it's just something that's very, very important to me. You know? Well, I'm glad that you're doing it because you're better than me. I don't have the, I don't have the four, <laughs> I don't have the thing to do with the thing inside, you know, that, that, that type of, that way of, um, negotiating. Yeah. It's important. Well, I do, you know, I am biracial, so I can lean on my, uh, <laughs> I have family members who are white. I have, um, I have family members who are black and I, I, I grew up seeing, the disparity between the two communities very intimately. Um, and so this is why and what kind of propels me to um, help to balance things, you know. Okay. You know, and I've, I've talked to several people recently who are also biracial. And one woman said that she was, she feels like her purpose is to bring together, is bring people together. And one of the things she's bringing together is like, um, blacks and whites. And I think there's a very unique role that biracial people can play in this time. And I think it's also, it can also be unfortunate if you have to choose one or the other. Now, yeah. do you feel that you have had, I was listening to um, Adrian Marie Brown. She has a podcast and she was talking about how she doesn't really have a white experience to draw from. Do you have exactly. a white experience that you can draw from? Um, like no, were you I mean, raised in a culture and did things with people who were? Yeah, and I was raised in Detroit, went to DPS all my life, and most of my schooling was with um, black kids. And, um, and so, um, you know, I, in, the way I look at it is like, Black is an exclusive, an, in, an inclusive term. Sorry, <laughs> white is exclusive. So um, I can't, I can't enter into whiteness. I, I can't. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like, um, even though, like, first, you know, first of all, we can get into a whole conversation for another day around like what is black and white and like the validity of um, of those words and those term terminology, but. Um, white has has been an exclusive space for people to hold power and that's all it is um and they have certain criteria for entering that space <laughs> and i'm i can't i cannot enter that space whereas black has there's always been several shades of blackness uh several looks to blackness um it's always been a you know a community that that embraces you know all of all all pieces of being black and so um and so i see myself as a black woman um and my ba my biraciality <laughs> it um it has helped me to see the world in a, in a certain way and i have definitely um uh been able to use my my yellow privilege i call it for <laughs> for um for good i hope and and to hold space for um um uh darker skinned folks to um have 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 places at the table and have um uh, power um as well so um so yeah i think that's a whole nother conversation but yeah i appreciate you bringing it up <laughs> yeah i i know and so the last thing i wanted to ask you is can you tell us your most favorite thing to do outside um uh, I guess my my favorite activity is kayaking, but I also just love to just 
view things outside. Like I look at the trees, I look at the sky, I look at the grass and like contemplate on what this reality is. <laughs> and so that's like this kind of perceiving and perception outside is just very enhanced. Okay. Tafira, thank you so very much for appearing on the show. And I guess we're going to have to come have you back so we can have some of these deeper conversations. Oh, you be, you be pitting all the trigger points. Look at you. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to In the Center of Her Power podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like or subscribe on whatever listening service you use. I am your host, Sanaa Green, and I sincerely hope you were fed with divine feminine soul food.